0: Welcome to That's Podcasting, a movie musical podcast. I'm Cody Pasby.
1: And I'm Paul Ponte.
0: And uh, after a week off, which uh, once again, I I just want to say this right at the top of the show. If you have not already, the links are on our social media pages, uh, places you can donate, places that you can sign petitions uh, with the ongoing protests to support Black Lives Matter, to support the fight against police brutality. It is on all of our minds. It continues to be. And if we are going to change anything, uh, it's got to be at the forefront for a long, long time. And we have to make real change on the ground. That Once again, there is a lot of places where you can donate, you can uh, stream videos to donate if you don't have money and you can't make it out to a protest, places you can sign petitions. So uh, we implore you, please do that. Please, please, please keep it up and keep that at the forefront of your mind uh, because we are just a silly little podcast that likes to talk about movie musicals. There are real issues going on in the world and uh, we don't want to forget that. We are going to wrap things up in our Fred Astaire month here as we are going to talk about the 1957 film Funny Face. Now, this is a film that is, it is called by many the first MGM musical made outside of MGM. Mm. It's a Paramount Studios production, but basically the entire cast and crew of this film are MGM alum. Uh, The director is Stanley Donnan, The producers, Roger Edens, musical director Kay Thompson is a star in this film. Fred Astaire, of course, and pretty much the entire production crew. They're all MGM people, and they are all there at Paramount because of one reason, and it's a very good reason, that would be the rising star, one of the hottest superstars in Hollywood of this era, Audrey Hepburn, who is uh, the co-star in this film. So... Fred Astaire's once-promising MGM career has, at this point, fizzled fast. By the end of 1953, he was let go from the studio due to a string of box office disappointments, but really, for the most part, everybody other than a select few were all let go from their MGM film contracts because times there are a change in here when it comes to the studio system and they are focusing more on the small screen rather than uh, the big screen. So Fred Astaire is once again thinking about retirement. He decides to keep working as a free agent. Uh, Funny Face is the second movie since being let go by MGM, Uh, although they would have him back for one more movie, again, as a free agent. uh, That would be Silk Stockings, also starring uh, Sid Charisse, his former co-star from The Bandwagon. Uh, She was actually supposed to star in this movie with Fred Astaire, but she ultimately declined, so producer Roger Edens shoots his shot. And decides to cast Audrey Hepburn. Both these actors were cast because the producers, when they met with Audrey Hepburn and when they met with Fred Astaire, they said, look, Fred, Audrey Hepburn's doing this movie. Or Audrey, Fred Astaire's doing this movie. You have to do this movie. When, in fact, neither one had actually signed on for the movie. So they were just lying to them to try to get them to sign. And, hey, it worked.
1: So, so okay, because what I read was that Hepburn insisted on a stare before she would sign on.
0: Yeah, so there's like conflicting- That's it, what I read. I, I, that's what she
1: said, apparently.
0: I heard like conflicting things. There was like, she insisted on it, and that also- So it must have been, she insisted on it, and they said, oh, well, lucky you. She He is already signed on for the movie. <laughs> and I'm sure that's probably how it went down. And she went, great, I'm in. Uh, maybe simultaneously they're telling Fred Astaire, hey, uh, we're getting Audrey Hepburn. You should do this movie. Uh, So anyway, it it all got muddled together. That sounds more right. Because at this point, she's what? She's an Oscar winner. She is like she is very, very quickly becoming a humongous star. So she can kind of call her shots and do whatever she wants at this point and work with whoever she wants, uh, including, uh, hey, I want my love interest to be 30 years older than me. Yes. Yes. The last few movies, and I mean we're we're seeing Fred Astaire as an older man in the movies that we have sampled
1: see i I, I kind of looked at it like i I know we've been making a running joke on how much older Fred Astaire is than this one is, a, this one is so glaring a, though now especially if you take into account if it is correct that she insisted on his participation, I kinda gave this one a a little bit more of a pass, even though it's a little bit more egregious than normal uh because I feel like. Someone who's coming up in, in in this in the movies to be like, hold on, I want to do a movie with someone who's basically a legend in the business. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, you know what? I, if I'm gonna be in a, mo- a movie musical, then I want goddamn Fred Astaire in this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that I think that's kind of what she's going for. Yeah, I would assume she's just like, hey, if I'm gonna do be in a movie musical, like, I'm not gonna not have the chance to work with Fred Astaire. I think that's kind of what where she's coming from in this. Right. You expect me to go toe-to-toe with Peter Lawford? Ha! I'm Audrey Hepburn. Get
0: me Fred Astaire or nothing. Sorry, Peter exactly. Lawford. I don't mean to feel like we're constantly throwing Peter Lawford under the bus, but so be it.
1: Ah, uh, You know, he's trash. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, kidding. we heard from old Blue Eyes <laughs>
0: himself. Dude's trash. Yeah. Dude is trash. So there you go. We get Audrey Hepburn. We get Fred Astaire. Uh, like I said, it's a Paramount movie. Hepburn's contract was with the studio. So all the MGM folks come over to Paramount to make this movie. Uh, I mentioned musical director Clay... Or <laughs> 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 That is the sports brain seeing Kay Thompson and wanting to say Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. I miss sports. So Kay Thompson, she is one of those people... And this this may be going over people's heads. but her in this movie, she is to this movie what uh, Lee Strasberg is in the Godfather part 2. This person who, to us, the audience were like, hey, there's this older actor or actress who is making their debut and I've never seen them, but they seem to be really good. Why have they never been in things? But within the industry, They're legendary. Of course, Lee Strasberg with the Acting Academy and Kay Thompson had a huge impact throughout her career. She only has five acting credits in her entire life. But in the 1930s, she's a staple of popular radio shows. She actually sang regularly with Bing Crosby on his uh, famous radio show. Then in the 1940s or near the end of the 30s, she meets Judy Garland. They become... Really close friends. In fact, she becomes the godmother of Liza Minnelli. Uh, And after befriending Judy, she then parlays that into a career with MGM Studios. She becomes the vocal arranger and the top vocal coach for most of the studio's biggest musicals at the time. But her biggest claim to fame is actually as an author. She created the popular children's book series Eloise. Eloise. That's the character, the little girl who lives in the Plaza Hotel. I think there were five books. They made a couple of television specials. Uh, It's not nothing. Very big, very popular character. Uh, She bases the story off of the hotel she actually lived at, the Plaza Hotel in New York. And the character of Eloise herself is rumored to be inspired by her goddaughter,
1: Liza Minnelli. Hmm. Very
0: eclectic career.
1: Also, her character in this movie... um, one would argue, and I'm that one, uh, that uh, kind of a more appropriate love interest for Fred Astaire in this movie.
0: Much more. Especially that final dance number with the two of them. I'm like, yeah. oh, look at this. For the first time in 30 years, or 25 years, Fred Astaire is dancing with an age-appropriate co-star. What yes. a thought.
1: Only, only 10 years his junior. <laughs>
0: even then <laughs> oh my god yeah they they seemed like a great match together and uh, I, I like uh, that scene at the end
1: and like it's so funny because the whole movie we're gonna get into the plot but the whole movie it's like she sa- shares his interests they work in the same field they collaborate creatively uh, they're like I said more age appropriate they're, so everything about them is way more compatible than like this young girl who doesn't give a shit about his career, doesn't give a shit about, uh, like, the things he, like, photography or what Heath perceives as art. Like, their, their ideas of art are completely opposite. <laughs> and it's just like... He doesn't practice empathicalism. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and there's also, we're going to get into it, but uh, he he doesn't have the healthiest of uh, reactions to the way she is. Anyway. Consider- no.
0: It, it, I read some reviews of the, some reviews at the time this movie was made, and it got very mixed reviews. It's it's the uh, affection oh, it for the movie was a bomb too. Yeah, the affection for the movie has grown through the years, like pretty much all of these movies, but particularly this one. Like at least back then, even the bombs were seen as like very good movies. Still, they were still highly regarded, whereas this one it was like how dare they oh look at them just poo-pooing on this uh, this high culture this culture they'll never understand it's just yeah. I, I found that very very funny
1: yeah although there are there we'll get into it as we go through but uh, there are times when i was watching this and i thought technically this movie is is just as well made as any other musical but a lot of the plot and some of the stuff running together, I kind of felt like I was watching different scenes mashed together than than a coherent film. Yeah, uh, there there were there are moments where I was like, "What what is even happening right now?"
0: Yeah, she, I mean, and Audrey Heppard's character, I mean, changes her mind real fast in a lot of moments in this movie,
1: and it kind of rewards uh, Fred Astaire's yes. character's bad behavior. Uh, Agreed, especially towards the end. <laughs> um, Agreed.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: But even despite the problematic stuff of that, just there are, there are moments, and we'll get into it as we go, but there are moments that I thought this just is, it seems like we want to do this in this movie regardless of if it makes sense to do it. <laughs> And, uh, and I'll we'll get into that, but continue.
0: I think part of that is that this film is a loose, and I mean loose with a capital L, adaptation.
1: Yeah, apparently they, they, they were like, oh, we're going to adapt this one thing. Cool. But actually what we're going to do is we're going to take the title from another thing, and we're going to take some mus- songs from a different musical and throw it into this musical, and what? What? I think that speaks to the sort of incoherent
0: quality at times of the film, because it's like, okay, so it's based off the stage musical Funny Face, which also starred Fred Astaire and his sister Adele, but actually it's not really an adaptation, because that's just a Broadway medley sort of uh, show. But we're going to take four songs from that, from the Gershwin uh, Song Library, put them in this, but actually we own the rights to this other musical that wasn't very big, I think it was called Wedding Bells, so we're going to base the plot off of that and maybe rework a song or two from that, but really we want to take the songs from Funny Face.
1: Yeah, Whew. it's a little convoluted. Just it, a little. It, bit. Is it is it a sign of that we are nearing the end of the golden age of musicals like because of that? Like yeah. is that is is that like a warning sign right there?
0: It might be. Yeah, it, it definitely might be. I mean, at the same time you are also getting like just five years prior, you are at the absolute peak
1: with I mean It's Hollywood you, baby moves fast. Yeah,
0: it's true. I mean literally five years prior you get Singing in the Rain, the bandwagon, you get all these just phenomenal original musicals and
1: Hey, that's entertainment, Katie. There you
0: <laughs> go. Buzzing. So the film's plot does take inspiration from the modern fashion world. Kay Thompson's character is inspired by the real life editor of Harper's Bazaar, Diana Verlinde. And Astaire's character is based on fashion photographer Richard Avedon, who actually sets up all of the iconic photos in this film. All the shots in this film uh, are actually his doing. He actually sets up uh, a lot of those photos of Audrey Hepburn in that, photo- in that scene and the montage of all her photos. Uh, I want to even say the Think Pink scene. It stands out so much to the rest of the movie, and mm-hmm. I feel like, and and you are seeing these sort of shots that are happening throughout it, like they're taking photos. I guarantee you, he was he was there and uh, doing some uh, some set design and some some uh, yeah some blocking for those for those uh, scenes.
1: And I'm sure uh, Ray June, the the cinematographer, was very happy about that. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful movie. At times, it's it really is really. Like it is interesting because you're saying yeah, are we started seeing like the end of this era? But at a technical level, it's as impressive as a lot of that era uh, earlier on. Yeah, if not more. Right. But you're right in terms of like memorable songs, and I mean, there's a lot of songs in this that are taken that are more famous from other movies.
1: Yeah. There is like the really clever moments where when they're taking the photos and it shows the, uh, you know, the negative of the photo and it shows it with all green and then switches like the color palettes and uh, that stuff was really cool. I I thought that was actually kind of innovative and really clever.
0: Yeah, I loved that stuff. And I think that's, again, the mark of uh, Richard Avedon being a part of this film's production. And of course, he actually snaps the film's most famous photo, uh, the overexposed close-up of Audrey Hepburn's face, which itself almost becomes a more iconic, the most iconic thing to come out of this movie. Uh, that yeah. shot becomes really part of her just persona uh, on screen.
1: Because she's got such a funny face. she got that you know?
0: funny face. What the fuck is up with <laughs> movies of this era? Like, Judy Garland was like, mm, no, she'll never have the looks. Like, who are you? You're talking about Judy Garland. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, Audrey Hepburn, she got a funny face. What,
1: what in what
0: world are you talking about? So stupid. Yeah. Like, this is beyond, like, what is it? She's all that, where it's like, oh, just take off the glasses, and suddenly she's beautiful. It's yeah. like, no, she's literally looks exactly the same. You just took off the sort of frumpy-looking jacket.
1: Yeah. Even if she wasn't uh, already a megastar by this point, the second you saw Hepburn's face in this movie, a stranger who's never heard of her before would be like, okay, who's this magnificent creature that has just lit up the entire screen? Like, there's no...
0: It's so weird. Yeah. It's... yeah there's, no, there's no comparison here. Anyway, just ridiculous.
1: It's just like the the, the equivalent to me would be, you know, if we're just watching a new movie, and then like Margot Robbie pops up, and they're like, "Ha, what's up with the what's up with the plain-looking gal over here in the corner?" You know, and you're like, and everyone's like, "Yeah, look at her, she's like a total goof," and everyone's like, "What? What's going on right she's now?" She's a monster. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Most of this movie is shot on location in Paris. It's still a really big novelty for the time.
1: Yeah, you could tell when they're not though, because oh, they're like, oh yeah, they're like, hey, let's enter this big soundstage apartment. Thir- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all
0: of the filming was done. You can tell like in three or four days. And one of those days yeah. happened to be uh just the worst in terms of weather. Uh and apparently based on all accounts, production in France was hellish. I just went. That's yes. I was just there. Yeah, just I, I, ago. I was on
1: I was on the Alexander Bridge where uh he was walking down. I was like, Oh, I was there. I was just there like before quarantine happened. I was like, Oh shit. Like now I kind of wish I would have seen this before I would have gone, because so, I would have been like...
0: You could be like, bonjour to everyone you see, which is what yeah. French people love it when you do that as an American. Oh, they do. It's like they the do. number one thing you should do. So if you're going to Paris, like maybe next year, you should just find a large group of French people
1: and just go, bonjour
0: Paris, yeah. and they'll love it.
1: Oh, yeah. Also, the the most unrealistic thing about this movie, uh, besides people thinking... That Hepburn is playing uh, is is them going up to the Eiffel Tower. First of all, the second you reach that part of the Eiffel Tower, you're breathing heavy and you're exhausted. I don't care who you are, you're not you're not dancing around. And two, uh, there's not that much room to walk around. <laughs> you're just there's just people everywhere. I was gonna say that.
0: So is that the real top of the Eiffel Tower right there?
1: I think they're actually filming on on the, because uh, it's not the top. That's right, the, right, right. the first platform. Okay, got it. Because there's two platforms. There's the first platform and the one all the way at the top. Right, which I would uh, imagine much smaller. Yeah, much smaller uh, from what I understand. It was closed when I was there. They we were doing construction, unfortunately. Uh, my legs thanked me, though. Uh, but we, we went to the, the first level. And, there, and it looked pretty accurate to the way the first level is. So either they recreated it, did a really good job of recreating it, or they actually filmed in that spot.
0: I, I think we can suss out pretty quickly if something is like a soundstage or if the background's fake in these older movies
1: especially. That looked real. That looked like they were really there. And I feel like there's enough floor space there where they could easily have a film crew and some extras on some tables. Like, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. So... Filming in Paris, as I mentioned, hellish.
0: Why was that the case? Well, that Audrey Hepburn did not want to be separated from her husband, actor Mel Ferrer. So he was also actually set to film a movie in France. So she requests that the film schedules were matched up. Because of this, the cast and crew uh, were hit with heavy rain that had to be worked into the script. You see that scene where she's holding the balloons and it's just raining down bad apparently the scene the the wedding dance scene about midway through the movie and I think at the end it's the same scene they just filmed it on the same day apparently the grass was completely muddy and they kept slipping and her heels got stuck in the in the mud on top of that apparently there were a ton of protests going on in the middle of Paris at that time and uh, they were being caught in the middle of all of that so okay yeah. Thanks, Audrey Hepburn, for having, wanting to, uh, you know, not wanting to leave her husband's side for even a couple of days. By the way, Audrey Hepburn did have years of dance training uh, in her youth. That's something I feel like I did not know as much. I know she's been in My Fair Lady, which is one of the biggest musicals of all time. But I don't ever really think of her as like a big musical star. So I still found myself really surprised when... She starts dancing, and I'm like, "Holy crap! She's real. She's she's really good." I'm yeah. I'm really captivated by, uh, especially that solo dance scene she or that solo slash she dancing with the other two guys in the cafe. Really like that part.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was very. Uh, I mean, obviously they're doing a little bit of like uh, making fun of the beatnik culture. Oh, for sure. Stuff. When when Fred Astaire walks into there, I immediately thought of uh, Mad Men. When uh, yes. Don Draper is in the is in the beatnik cafe, which is like, <laughs> just like just. Smoking a cigarette, judging everyone passing by. <laughs> Just
0: I did enjoy his sort of snide remarks to everyone, and, but we'll talk about it. But that was yeah. I, I did love that part. And, of course, in this movie, she does get to sing her own songs, unlike her most famous role in My Fair Lady, where she was famously, infamously, dubbed over in that, much to her dismay. Apparently, she was very, very mad about that. There is a cut, I believe, now available. Maybe not the cut of the movie, but at least there's a soundtrack available of her singing the songs. So you can judge for yourself if you if you so please. As you mentioned, this movie is another bust initially for Fred Astaire and the rest, but after the runaway success of the aforementioned My Fair Lady, Paramount re-releases the movie to bank off of Audrey Hepburn's star and the film did eventually turn a profit. So let's talk about said film. The film starts off with a bang. I love the opening credits. Uh, I love all the transitions. You get right in the mood for, like, fashion. We are in the fashion world, darling. I loved it. The tracking shot that follows Maggie Prescott, played by Kay Thompson, into her office, uh, where she works as the editor at large of Quality Magazine. And then all of the employees, they all head into the office as she looks through the latest issue of her magazine. She feels something is lacking, doesn't have enough buzzaz, as she says, and I had to take a step back. Is it bozaz? I've always thought it was Puzazz. Am mm. I
1: wrong? I think you are right. It always is pizzazz.
0: I've always heard pizzazz,
1: Not Bozazz.
0: But it's Bozazz. I watched it, watched is this it with this the a
1: subtitles. Is this a Bernstein Bears situation right it, now? This might is be a Bernstein this-
0: Bernstein situation.
1: Dang.
0: My whole life I have thought pizzazz. And uh I, I'm right
1: there with you. I, yeah. That's what I always thought.
0: But clearly in the subtitles, she says B-O-Z-A-Z-Z. Bozazz
1: son of a bitch
0: my entire world has been flipped upside down by this film and uh i'm just gonna say it right now i'm not gonna submit to bazazz. it's going to be pizzazz and we're gonna stick with it all that bazazz. all that pizzazz this is like the classic oh, where are you are you a gif or a gif guy and clearly come on
1: yeah clearly C- wh- clearly what fall <laughs> clearly clearly it's gif okay thank you <laughs>
0: thought we were going to have to end this podcast right now.
1: Jif is for peanut butter, and that's all I'll say about that. Thank Continue. You. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, she's saying, too dreary. It's lacking. She sees a pink sample and decides, yes, this is the theme of the latest issue. Think pink. And that's where we get the song Think Pink. As mentioned earlier, I think the influence of photographer Richard Avedon is in full effect. It really does feel like you're watching like a designer brand commercial rather than a musical number, uh, which is really cool. I think there's some really spectacular creativity going on here because, I mean, you combine the eye of like a fashion photographer with Stanley Donnan, who has already proven himself as one of the most creative musical movie musical directors ever. And it just creates this really cool, really standout number.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the way this... All folds out the way that, uh, like the way they the way they choreographed the fabric and and everyone did, moving around it and I I don't know I just really enjoyed it and it also struck me that much like I said that Kate Thompson Maggie Prescott in the movie uh, her character should be the lead if she was she would be the only lead in the opening number because none of the leads are in the opening number
0: yeah it's all her in this beginning number.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: But she's third fiddle. Why?
1: Yeah. yeah why isn't she the lead anyway? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we all love Audrey Hepburn, but why is she not the lead? Paul, if
0: we've learned anything about old Hollywood, I mean, oh. she's she's lucky to even be there at her age. <laughs> we know yeah, that's true.
1: That's how they would approach it. That's true. That's true. What was I thinking? Yeah.
0: Come on. Huh. Come to your senses here.
1: Okay. Okay. Good point. Good point.
0: We then meet photographer Dick Avery, played by Fred Astaire.
1: That's such a good name. Dick, such Avery. a good old Hollywood name.
0: Great name. Great name. Dick
1: Avery. By the way, this has pleased to, be the, to meet
0: you. This has to be the first musical in a few weeks, maybe since the what? It's the Harvey Girls, where it is not explicitly about a show.
1: Yeah. Good. Good call.
0: It's it, we are not using a Broadway show of any kind.
1: Yeah, although they do manage to shoehorn them performing later on.
0: Which, I mean, you still are surrounding it by a sort of show, but this time it's a fashion show. Yeah. Rather than uh, on Broadway or a musical. But I
1: mean, like, even, like, the characters in the movie. Like, you know, when she, like, when, when Audrey Hepburn's dancing in the club, she's not actually, like. Right. Like, I think it's, you know, it's the fantastical element of musicals. But I believe when they crash the party, they are performing in front of the guests. Oh,
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah. So they,
1: So they managed to shoehorn in at least one performance where, they're, where the characters are actually performing in front of other people. Still got to give so. a,
0: people a dose of that vaudeville. Even yep. three years prior to the 60s, people are still yes. craving it. Oh, man. So Dick Avery is having some trouble making his ditzy model look dignified and intelligent for his You mean Morticia shoot. Adams? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a ridiculous character. Oh my gosh. She's very funny. She's really funny. She reads comic books in between shoots. Um, what's, what, what's
1: her character's name? Because I yeah. thought she was... I can't recall. Is she Marion?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so.
1: She's played by Dovima.
0: That's it? Just that's one name?
1: Yep. Dovima. She was the first model to use a single name. Wow. The first.
0: Wow. Yeah, she's also uh, starred in, let's see, The Man from Uncle, uh, the original television show. and But
1: she was just just in like one little episode of three different shows. That's it. And then this is her only movie. So she's a model she's a model she's legit a model like she wasn't trying to be an actress like she's just a model who's like i'll dabble in this here here and there
0: yeah i love it and i love that she is poking fun at the world of modeling as well it's uh good for dovima yeah i love that that's awesome so yeah this model played by dovima uh, just doesn't have quite the right everything's wrong with this shoot
1: yeah go ahead Who's the photographer that Dick Avery is based on? Richard Avedon. She worked closely with Richard Avedon, whose photograph of her in the Floral Lake black evening gown with circus elephants, DoVima with the elephants, has become an icon and sold for over a million dollars in 2010.
0: Well, there you go. Now it all makes sense. Yeah, they. I mean, again, we said like this movie kind of gets all over the place, but when it comes to understanding this world that they are occupying in this movie, they do a really good job. They went all in. And got all of the right people, and
1: yeah. I almost wonder if they were like, when they were working with Avedon, if they were just like, so we need a model for this scene. He was like, well, I work with her. You should just use her. Like, that's probably Scary. what happened. Scary. Yeah. But she kills it. Yeah, she's really good. She's very funny. She's
0: really funny. Uh, clearly, yeah, what? This is her first acting role? Or one yeah, of her this, first, so
1: yeah. yeah. Great, great job. The part where uh, he's like trying to give her direction, and she's just so confused. Yeah, it's so silly. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a I'm a I'm a Dovima stand right now, Cody.
0: If there's one thing this podcast is, it's Dovima stands. Exactly. Don't <laughs> we'll get it twisted. So, to capture the right mood for the shoot, they decide they need a different setting. When Dick tells Maggie about the troubles, they propose moving the shoot to a local bookshop to capture the right mood. So they decide to storm into a bookshop. Uh, the name of the bookshop, by the way, Embryo Concepts is the name of the bookshop. It's um, mm. sort of strange. Uh, where an unsuspecting worker, Jo Stockton, played by Audrey Hepburn, demands that they leave. Uh, also, she nearly dies in the process as Dick decides to push. The, uh, the ladder that she is on, where she's still sorting through books and nearly crashes her into the wall. So, great first impressions there by, uh, by old Dick Avery. Eventually, they do take a shot with her and Dovima. At that point, she's just causing too much trouble for them. So, they get her out of her own shop at that point. Yeah, they,
1: they break and end her into her, yes, <laughs> into her exactly. shop. They, uh, they, you know, kick her out. This is At this point, I'm like, well, these people aren't very nice. No, <laughs> awful human beings. They just kick her out of her own shop and uh, trash
0: the place and uh, snap their photos and leave. And they leave the shop in tatters. Fortunately, Dick sticks around to help and clean as much as he can.
1: You mean to do the bare minimum. Right, like, literally, literally picked up a pile to- of
0: books and put it on a table, and that was it.
1: Yeah, he's like, am I going to sort these? Nah, nah. I'm here to talk to this
0: chick here. Uh, yeah. to talk to Joe and who questions why he's even wasting his talent on fashion photography. And then she goes on and on about what she likes and uh, mentions empathicalism for the first of 137 times. You will hear that word throughout the movie she mentions that she just wants to take off to Paris and be amongst intellectuals. Um, Mm. And she, uh, she also explains empathicalism that it's like, it's based in empathy. You have to feel what the other person is feeling. And then he kisses her because he said, Oh, I felt that you needed a kiss. Gross. (laughs) Yeah. Not the right move there. (laughs) Not the right move. But Uh, It seems to work on Joe as uh, Dick leaves and she sings, How Long Has This Been Going On? Uh, This is a Gershwin classic and uh, she uses that little colorful hat that is left behind by the photo shoot. And I think you could see maybe what the eventually the producers of My Fair Lady were thinking that, oh, she doesn't quite have a strong voice. But I'm not going to say she has a bad singing voice. It's just not a no. super strong singing voice. Yeah, I would
1: agree with that. Yeah. I kind of found it a little a little more refreshing to kind of hear someone who's not so classically trained. I mean, we've gotten to, like straight up like opera singers in some of these musicals we've reviewed, <laughs> so it was kind of nice to hear someone with like a regular voice. I was like, oh, okay, this is nice. I
0: think it makes her character really charming, and uh, you know, and Audrey Hepburn is irresistible. Like that, that's yeah. also part of it. Yeah, really charming, lovely little number. I, I still really like this rendition. I should mention Judy Garland. I think sings yeah she sings this song as part of her really famous uh, Carnegie Hall. Uh, concert a few years later i think that she took a lot of songs that she heard in other famous musicals of the era and went the fuck i could do this so much better (laughs) and then put it in her concert very vindictive yeah (laughs) respect i'm a fan of that i'm a fan of it Uh, back at the office maggie is having trouble figuring out the face of their latest issue the pink issue Dick tries to convince her that the face she's looking for is actually Joe, much to their dismay. But she claims that her face is too funny. Oh, she got too much of a funny face. She does convince Maggie that yes, this is going to be the face of our campaign. This is has, this is going to be the girl. Something different, something fresh. And uh, she says, "All right, fine." And calls in an order from the bookshop to sort of trick Joe into coming into the office for other motives Uh, she arrives wearing the same uh, sort of drab colors and the headscarf to drop off the order but soon realizes that she's called in to model for the magazine and fashion show instead as they're getting her measurements and they're taking her headscarf off and all that and furious she tries to leave and as she's sort of sneaking out i do like that part where she's sort of tiptoeing out and immediately maggie's like get her chase her down she's got these like ridiculously like comically large scissors in her hand it's just absolutely ridiculous she's chasing her down the hall all the girls are trying to chase her down the hall and eventually joe evades them by hiding in the dark room where she runs into dick and he tells her that all of this was his idea and tries to convince her that she would indeed be perfect for the latest issue herself she's like oh i have too fun my face is too funny Like, even she believes it. Like, okay, (laughs) everyone, look in a mirror. He entices her with the chance to visit Paris if she decides to do this photo shoot and be part of the issue and be part of the fashion show and, indeed, a chance to meet her idol, the one and only Professor Flostra, the lead in empathicalism. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) That leads us to the song, the title song. Funny Face, which, again, the only reason this uh, they took the musical Funny Face was to use the song Funny Face in this musical, even though there is absolutely no similarities to the original musical. I think the two of them make a really good dance team. I agree. Yeah, I I think she really fits in with him immediately, and they they hit it off real, real quick. It is interesting that they were going to make Sid Charisse he the uh, co-star in this movie. You could see why in this part and later on. But I think Audrey Hepburn more than holds her own uh, with Fred Astaire.
1: Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed this, actually. I thought, like, there's a lot of chemistry between the two of them dancing. I could see why, like, I don't know if she knew that. That's why she wanted to work with him. But that was a very well-done scene. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit more different than a lot of his dance stuff. Because he has a very particular, like, way of, I want to say, organizing the moves. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was like was different, if that makes sense. Like, I yeah, feel like I he you. has he, he like ebbs and flows in a specific way in a lot of his dance routines. And I felt like this was different than that.
0: Yeah, I got you. I mean, part of it is they're in a very confined space with a lot of obstacles. and I Yeah, also, I like that. I, I liked it. But I, there's also a part of me that's like, just turn on the light. <laughs> I don't need it to be in red this whole time. It's a little distracting after a while. true nonetheless it's something different and i enjoyed it and then you get that shot of course of the overexposed photo of her face the close-up of her face and that's what dick shows to maggie and she's convinced this is going to be the face of the latest issue off to gay Paris, where we get a shot of uh they're on the plane and they landed paris and that's where we get bonjour Paris. dick joe and maggie sing about the wonder and beauty of paris Yeah, again, this is what uh, every American should do when they touch down in Paris. Just find the nearest French person and just kiss them on the lips and say, bonjour, Paris.
1: Mm, They love that thing. They will love
0: it. Highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, Just an excuse to get all of the big big icons of uh, the city all into one number. It looks wonderful, too. They did a great job of, of capturing it where it's it's not just, like, arbitrary, like, we have to have this. Like, they really made it flashy and stand out, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, of course, they all meet up on the Eiffel Tower. Oh, isn't this funny? We all ended up at the Eiffel Tower. Well, you know, you are a bunch of Americans in Paris, so, of course, you're going to end up at the Eiffel Tower at some point. So
1: when you go, When you get there, you're kind of like, I mean, we're here. We might as well check out all the... Of a, you know, you have to. Yeah. Like, you're there, and it's, and not to mention that it's everywhere. Like, everywhere you go is like, is like a new uh, landmark. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, oh, and then here's this. Oh, and then here's the, uh, oh, here's the street everyone always talks about. Oh, and there's that bridge everyone always talks about. Like, you literally just run. It's like being in, uh, in like Milan or Rome. Like, it's just one of those things where when you're there, there's so many landmarks around, you don't even realize it until you like, you're like oh, wait, this is. A lot. There's bricks in the ground you're walking on that are older than
0: anything, any building here in in America.
1: Oh, what are you going to do, not go to the Eiffel Tower? That's true. Come on. I'm not, I'm
0: not, of course you're going to go to the Eiffel Tower, I'm just saying.
1: I'm just saying, like, do you want to be that guy? No. No one
0: wants to be that guy. Don't be so cool that you don't go to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Like, come on.
1: All of the walk sucks, I'm not going to lie.
0: So wait, so you go to an elevator to the first floor, then you have to walk up the rest of the way?
1: No, 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 you, you have a choice. You can either take an elevator or you can take the stairs.
0: Ah, I got it.
1: I took the stairs.
0: Uh, is there a fee to take the elevator? Yes. Okay, and the stairs are free? And,
1: you? no, it still costs money to go up it. But it's cheaper, I don't It's cheaper, but also the line for the elevator is much longer. Yeah, I believe that. So, you know, you could either walk it, which takes maybe 20, 25 minutes or you can wait 2 hours to go on the elevator. <laughs> so it's kind of like like how badly do you want to save the walk, you know what I mean?
0: I mean if if we got like a fast pass situation going on for that elevator then hell yeah, let's do it. I mean. Yeah, no fast pass. Okay. I I didn't think so. So yes, we've we've looked at all the sites at this point. So now we are at our first rehearsal for the big fashion show, but Joe is nowhere to be found. So uh, Dick promises, yes, I'm gonna find her, and uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll find her by tomorrow morning. And I also like—I I don't know if they're trying to be cheeky here. I think they are. Where he's like, "Hey, Napa," all, or like uh, wine all the way from Napa, California.
1: Oh yeah, a melon are. from Florida. I love that. The fact they go to wine and they're and they're getting—they go they're all the way to France and they're getting wine from Napa—is very funny. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Although they do not turned their noses down at American wine. When I, we went to a wine tasting there, you know, the guy there was, he was very, very French. And he was, uh, and he was like, you know, spitting the wine out and tasting it and t- teaching us all about, you know, flavor notes and all this stuff. And then he, he's like, oh, where are you all from? Some people there from like Germany, some people are, And we're like, oh, yeah, we're from uh, California. They're like, oh, he's like, he's like, do you go to Napa? Like, he was very, like, <laughs> like excited he was so excited he was like oh do you go to napa we're like yeah we've been and he's like oh that's amazing he was like he was so like excited for it so like they don't look down at it the wine is wine like if it's good wine it's good wine to them they don't they don't care if it's from there or not that makes me so happy <laughs> so uh dick heads off to a beatnik cafe Yes, filled. I was talking about earlier. (laughs)
0: Everything you'd want, filled with interpretive dance. A girl named Gigi asks him to dance. Uh, I loved all of his little, uh, all of his little lines. Where somebody even says like, "I feel up," I feel an intimidating, uh, a violent, negative, negative negative presence. presence. (laughs) He's like, "Oh," and then where he says, to "Gigi," like, "Oh, nope, just here to see the wife and get pick up the wife and kids." And uh, yeah, you see like people doing handstands on tables, and he he sees Joe talking to a bunch of old drunk Parisian men about empathicalism. You guessed it. Dick tries to get her to leave this strange and mysterious place.
1: Yes, yeah, this hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> yes, where a lady has the gall to ask a man for a dance. How dare they? Also, this is the this is the look. The premier look of uh, this is the premiere of the look the uh, the black oh yeah uh, the black uh, skinny pants the mm-hmm. uh, the turtleneck the this this whole the aesthetic that has been become so famous when it comes to her
0: yeah absolutely Th- that and like the Breakfast at Tiffany's look those are the, yeah. the looks you think of when you think uh, of Audrey Hepburn yeah so uh, in defiance Joe decides to. Express herself through dance in a modern dance number. Uh, You hear sort of hints of how long has this been going on. In the soundtrack, it is called Basal Metabolism. That is the name of this song. Look, I I wish I was smarter and told you exactly what that meant. I
1: I don't really know. Basal Metabolic Rate is the number of calories required to keep your body functioning at rest. There it is we figured it out all right fair enough it's the turnover it's the
0: turnover of energy okay okay i got it now this dance could have come off really silly but she's a really fantastic dancer and she sells it yeah she she sells sells the shit out of it. she sells it really really well it becomes a really fun jazzy number by the end she's just so delightful to watch like yeah, like you said, she sells it. You're supposed to, that smile—you gotta, da- you gotta smile while you're
1: dancing. You gotta show that energy, show them those pearly whites, and
0: she does. Really, really fun. Really like this number.
1: I also enjoy uh, the whole time that they, they can't have uh, Fred Astaire not help himself, but like roll his eyes, like, oh yeah, oh these kids, these kids who I will eventually fall in love with by the end of this movie. <laughs> you're ruining the
0: sacred art of dance. How dare you!
1: Yes, but also, what are you doing later?
0: (laughs) So Dick finally gets Joe out of the cafe and reminds her that she actually missed her fashion shoot or her rehearsal, but her mind is more focused on taking in the culture of Paris and meeting the one and only Professor Flaustra. Still, Dick is infatuated with her and walks her back to her hotel. And even as she leaves in a huff, he sticks around and climbs up the balcony to serenade her with the song Let's Kiss and Make Up. This is Astaire's one big solo number, and God damn, does the man know how to use a
1: cane, or I guess in this case, an umbrella. This is where I got very confused, and I had to rewind to to know what was happening here. The filmmakers realize that Spain and France are two different countries, right? Yes, Okay. But we're in Europe, so it all, it all it's all the same as far as Americans are concerned. What When he starts bullfighting and you start hearing Spanish music play, I rewind it because I was like, there has to be something they said to each other that would segue somewhat into Spain. And then like, I listen to him talk and I go,
0: no? There's- no, nothing. I think this is just like a trope of that time where like... Gene Kelly does it a couple times, just when it has nothing to do with it. Where he has an item, he has a prop that's just looks like a matador, like looks like he's a matador. Like he does it in multiple movies, so I think this is just like a thing they do, where it's like, oh, look at me, I'm a matador, even when it has.
1: You could be in France, you could be in Kansas, you could be on the moon. They're just gonna do it. I think that was when the wheel started to come off a little bit for me because I was like, like I felt like he was like, I really want to do a number where I'm like a bullfighter and I'm and like with a with a thing, and they're like alright, well, it doesn't really fit this movie, but hey, you do you, man. Like Your <laughs> friend is like, there, cool. we can't say no. Exactly, and, I, and that's when I feel like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are parts of this movie that feel like, this is a scene that doesn't coincide with the rest of this movie. I mean, all.
0: it's kind of the nature of these types of musicals, too, where they are like, well, we have to find a way to shoehorn this song into this movie.
1: Yeah, that happens later on, for sure. Oh,
0: later on, There's the, I think there's the song with Uh, Well, there's two songs that kind of feel like that. One
1: more than the other that I was like, what is, why are we doing this? Why are we here?
0: Uh, Nonetheless, I mean, he's nearly 60. What is he, 59 in this movie? Yeah. And he's still just like cutting a
1: rug. The guy's good. Oh, no, the dance is incredible. Right, right, right. It's like like maybe save it for a movie where you go to Madrid or something. Like, (laughs) (laughs) this is not Paris. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> the next day, Joe dazzles during the fashion show rehearsal, wearing an outfit that—I mean, she straight up looks like uh, a, a princess here. Uh, yeah. She looks amazing, and she finally seems convinced that she has what it takes to thrive in the world of fashion. So later on, Joe has her first photo shoot. Her and Dick go out and see some of the most popular landmarks in Paris. In—I I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. This whole At the montage. Loose. Just all over the place where they go, yeah, yeah I, I love it, uh, with the balloons and then in front of the train. She looks remarkable. And all of the subsequent shots that they get where you're seeing sort of going through the color filters or, like, making her dress, that one where they just focus on her in her dre- in her green dress and, like, just looks like just some jaw-dropping uh, shots here.
1: And it culminates with... Uh... I believe, so this is, I think this is supposed to take place, I have it up right now because I'm like trying to figure out the timeline of this. I think this takes place over two days because okay. it, it ends at one point with her in front of a fountain and it's nighttime. Right. And then it's them and it's daytime and she has the wedding dress on.
0: Although in terms of the time of day, especially near the end of the movie, I don't think they seem too
1: concerned
0: about <laughs> I don't think so either. No, but, but, but it's right. There's a lot of shots going on. This can't just have been in one day.
1: Yeah. But that that is a stunning scene though of her in front of the fountain with yeah. the bird. Yeah. And then we get to the, the wedding part and we see the like the little Madeline girls walking by <laughs> and uh <yeah. laughs> the
0: little Madeline girls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh
1: God. That's that's what
0: they are. You're right. That's the yeah, official name. That's what I call little yeah. Madeline girls. You're not uh, wrong. I gotcha, I gotcha. The shoot ends at the church, as you mentioned, where she is dressed in a wedding dress. But she feels like a fraud. She doesn't feel like she should be wearing this dress because she's not actually getting married. She just feels all weird about it. She's completely overwhelmed. And as uh, Dick is talking to the priest of the church, who's like, oh, you're getting married. Like, no, 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 that's not what's happening. She runs off behind the church. And Dick tries to make her feel better. And as he tries to snap some photos of her... Saying like you're with you're you're marrying the love of your life. This is your happiest moment of your life. And that's, of course, where they finally embrace, and the two of them kiss, and then they have a lovely dance together in the song he loves and she loves. This is uh, another really beautiful scene. It's like something out of a fairy tale. Like it's, it really is. Yeah. It's got
1: the big chateau in the background, yep. and there's little there's little doves just all over the place. Yeah, well placed um, doves and swans all over. Yeah, I'd rather not think about what they had to do to keep those doves standing there. Mm, uh, yeah, let's let's not let's move on. Yeah, let's. I don't want to think about that. No, uh,
0: it's like their their dancing is angelic, and of course he always has to have a scene like this where he is. Doing sort of a ballroom dance with the the love interest in the movie, I love that. Like they get on the little raft that takes you to Tom Sawyer's Island in Disneyland. Oh, yeah, Essentially, yeah. they're getting on the same technology being used. Uh, very lucky they didn't topple over and right into the water. Um, maybe they did, for all I know. Yeah, loved that. Even I'm assuming they're using some filter to like
1: reduce the glare. Oh, they they have they have a full on soft. This they have yeah. the the soap opera filter on. They got some Vaseline on that yeah. lens, baby. I, I it love is... it. It adds to the dreaminess of the whole scene. It's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great scene, wonderful song, beautiful dance. So later on... Speaking of fantastic together... Yeah, later on, the very next scene. Uh, yes. As they go, uh, the stage is being set for the big event, and Maggie is going through the do's and don'ts of the big event with Joe, and then we get the song on How to Be Lovely, uh, which... There's a number that kind of is just kind of there. It's not, it's kind of stuck in there. It doesn't really serve a huge purpose, but I'm not complaining. I really like no, this uh,
1: number. Like I said, I think the chemistry, speaking of chemistry, yeah, it's great. between these two is great. I feel like their banter works really well. It feels like believable that she's kind of like this, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, wiser, older uh, person in this industry who's like playfully giving her advice and like. I don't know. I thought I thought they worked really well together. They do. They
0: do. It's a really fun, cute, lighthearted number. The two work spectacularly together. Uh, It's a shame that uh, Kay Thompson did not do more movies. I mean, obviously, she liked the role she did. And that's probably why Uh, I would imagine she had a chance to do some movies earlier on in her career and just chose not to. She's great. She's really, really good in, in all of her numbers that she does. Later on that evening, back at her hotel, as Joe is getting ready for the unveiling, her big unveiling as the new face of Quality magazine. She's on her balcony and spots the two men that she befriended at the cafe who tell her that Professor Flostra is going to be speaking there. And then she rushes over wearing what I can only describe as a uh, designer sleeping bag. I I (laughs) could not figure out what she... I was like, why is she in it was very strange, and I realized it was like a uh, it was like a hood, and uh, anyway, it looked like a sleepy. Baby. Yeah, it, it, it was a look. Yeah, it's quite a look. Only she could pull it off. So she rushes over, and uh, she comes in a little late, and Flosher immediately picks her out uh, from the crowd.
1: Talk about Commander Riker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if the way he uh, gets on the chair. He sweeps the leg over the chair and sits down. Like, exactly. You know? <laughs> Uh, the actor is Michael Alclair, uh, who plays Professor Flostra. She expresses her love for his work while uh, he expresses her love for uh, everything else about her. hi uh yeah. Joe loses track of time, and, of course, Dick is there to drag her out and get her ready for that evening's big event. But on the way back, the two bicker about Flostra and the whole way back and up to the moment where the curtain comes up and she is revealed... But before that happens, they come to a boiling point. They're pushing back and forth until Joe pushes him into the set backdrop, breaking everything, breaking the fountain that was there, and you know, wonderful comic bit, the big fan, then comes over and sprays water at the entire audience, drenching everyone.
1: Yes. All of these hoity toity people just getting drenched. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: wonderful. Burn the rich. <laughs>
0: <Anyway>. <laughs> Lock those doors. Let them get let this place flood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, of the next day the reviews are in and it's a disaster Dick admits that it's his fault that this all happened and he admits to Maggie that they were in a bit of a lover's quarrel Uh, no one can seem to find Joe and they're trying to track her phone calls from her hotel and they find that she got a call from the one and only Professor Flostra she was invited to a party at his house so Dick and Maggie drive um, an egg to and disguise themselves. I love that little car. That I little, that little car, car was so bizarre. Uh there was let me find it. There was a little more information about that car cuz it is immediately sticks
1: out. No, remember the the car from Family Matters that Urkel has? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, yes. but like a sm- even smaller version of that. So here you go. This comes from
0: IMDb trivia. The little white car that Dick and Maggie drive to the Beatnik Club is called a Velum. Uh, The Velum Isetta. They were made between 1955 and 1958. Velum stands for vehicular ledger, or, oh God, my French is terrible. Uh, Vehicular ledger amateur, uh, or light vehicle with motor. The French nicknamed the car yogurt pot because of its looks. It was also known as the bubble car, rolling egg, little egg, and even trouser fly, since you could get into the car from the front. Nice absolute death trap of a car
1: well come on you get getting a crash in that car you there's no way you're coming back well if if everyone has a tiny car though true, it's like oh. true. i guess everyone needs to have a little rolling egg that is one thing you notice when you're in europe no matter what country in europe you're in right uh whether it be ireland or it's or france or portugal or spain everyone has smaller cars right. not as small as this And it is really weird when you actually do see a giant car out of nowhere because you're like, whoa, what what is this? Also, their gas is like three times as much as it is here. So that's probably probably a reason yeah
0: yeah exactly which you then that makes it understandable when you know you see basically 75 percent of the french population when uh their president says oh we are going to raise gas by a 15 percent tax on gas we hope you won't be mad and then literally they're just flipping cars and burning the place down they're like the fuck you which f- fuck yeah So yeah, uh, driving an egg, right, right. Uh, They disguise themselves as a couple of American beatniks from Florida to get into Professor Floster's party, which is an appropriately drab and dour and aggressively French affair. The two try to lighten the mood with a little dose of the old red, white, and blue, baby, with a song called Clap Yo Hands. This is a fun comedic number. Two veterans of the genre being goofy as well. It was really weird to hear them. You know,
1: clap your hands, everybody.
0: Everybody, <laughs> everybody clap, clap your hand. Yeah, it was a little weird to hear Fred Astaire suddenly. I didn't know that's where the song came
1: from. Very strange. Yeah. This is where I got very confused again because I went, they're using some uh, vernacular. Uh, they're using some way of speech that I'm like, yeah. What is this from? And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, it's an old jazz number." Uh Oh, (laughs) oh no! (laughs) She's like, "Why is you acting this way?" And I'm like, "Mm
0: -hmm. "Yeah, not the. uh, What are we doing? Not the best." Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, this movie really only mostly only French people come out of it looking (laughs) coming out harmed, but uh, yeah, it's uh, there's there's some pretty antiquated language here or. Doesn't sound coming out of the mouth as good coming out of the mouths of a uh, Fred
1: Astaire. And yeah. Kate yeah, Thompson. It's, And it's also like where I thought, like I said, they're like, we really want to do this old jazzy number. How can we do it? And they're like, I know. Well, they'll just perform it out of nowhere. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> and, and somebody's like, that, that doesn't seem like a valid, but okay. Now
0: it is their way of like, let's distract them so we can get upstairs. So, yeah.
1: Okay, that's where it really serves its purpose. Yeah, I suppose. But it is funny because they're supposed to be, like, blending in. Like, that's why he has the weird fake beard yes, on. Yes, I like his weird little fake beard. <laughs> so he's like, you know what we're going to do? To fit in, we're going to play an American jazz number. Hey, clap your hands. <laughs>
0: so, yes, th- this is their way of finding their way, of making their way upstairs. And they do end up doing that by the end of the number. And they barge into Floster's room. And that is where they find him and Joe uh. Exchanging uh, thoughts about empathicalism, of course. She tells them that she's done with the fashion world and the demands that they leave. Uh, Dick makes sure to get in one parting shot at Flostra, like he's like, here, catch, and throws the guitar at him and it knocks him out cold on the ground. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Sends him flipping over the couch. Dick gives up on trying to convince Joe and leaves for the airport. To catch a flight home, as the car takes off and is making the same sounds as uh, Willy Wonka's uh, soda machine—the the the machine powered by uh, carbonated drinks—basically making the same exact sound.
1: So let's just sum up Dick over here real quick. Yep. So in this movie, he meets a girl after he breaks into their into her establishment to to shoot without her permission. Then he's like hey, you should be a model. And she's like, I'm not really comfortable with that. He's like, but you should. And then she becomes a model. And then he's like, what are you going to go do? I want to go talk about this poem. I want to see, talk, hear this philosopher talk. That's cool. He seems stupid, but okay. And then he goes and he's like, hey, this whole thing you're really enjoying right now, this is kind of trash. Do you mind leaving here? And then he le- she leaves. And then he's like, now we're falling in love. Everything is fine. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm over here having this conversation with this guy who I've told you ever since I first met you that I have admired. Really? Could you stop that? Because I need you to come with me now. <laughs> and he's a, he becomes this like jealous maniac, <laughs> and he's like, and then the the film rewards him after that because then it turns out in the end he was right. She that the dude's a total dirtbag, and the only thing we can get positive out of is that she's the one who kind of realizes at the end that he's a dirtbag. But still, it totally rewards his bad behavior. <laughs> That he's completely jealous. He's constantly like forcing her to, to do things she's not comfortable with. And then he's like, he even breaks in at the end to be like, hey, why are you hanging out with this dude? The conclusion
0: should have been that, oh, not uh, Professor Flostra's only trash. It's like, no, all
1: the men in my life are clearly trash. Yeah. The end of the movie should have been like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay here in Paris. I'm going to live my life. Right. The 60s are about to happen. <laughs> this this shit is about to be popping like you have no idea oh god if only we could go back
0: and tell her don't leave go yeah, sit I with ent- those old pair those old frenchmen
1: getting drunk on wine at three in the afternoon i just want to be like like i want to go into this world and just tell her be like listen do you want to saddle up with a dude 30 years your senior Or do you want to live in Paris in the 60s? (laughs) Do you have any idea how great this is about to be for you? If only you knew.
0: If only you knew. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happens. Uh, As Dick leaves, Flustra awakes, and he tries to seduce Joe, who Joe just wants nothing more than to talk about some good old empathicalism. But uh, she realizes that what he really wants is a little bit different, and he tries to make a move on her. But then she luckily bashes him over the head with one of his statues, and she there's escapes. There's a lot of physical
1: violence to solve problems in this movie yes, as well. Yes,
0: there is. Uh, I mean, even when he is entering the cafe, remember he sees that couple, and they're arguing, yeah. and he slaps the woman, and then they start making out. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, there's a lot of uh, deeply problematic things about that one It's instance. passion. It's just passion. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she rushes back to the fashion show looking for Dick, but he's already well on his way to the airport. She asks Maggie to stop him before he heads back home, but to no avail. I do love the moment where they call the hotel asking where he is, and he's like, oh, he just left. Oh, well, can you go call him? Let me check. Nope, he's gone. <laughs> it didn't, even, didn't even do anything. Just <laughs> doesn't know. even move. Doesn't even go to check or look up. <laughs> just puts the phone down and is like, nope, he's gone. Sorry. That was the most realistic thing I think of. It was the most realistic moment of the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just had no time for their shit. Joe storms out of the show, which is a success, uh, wearing that wedding dress as she runs out in a, in a, in a huff and, and, and takes off to who knows where. Uh, at the airport, Dick runs into Flostra, who is uh, heading out of the country, bandaged up. Uh, this is a very tasteless uh, sight
1: gag, I feel like, right? Oh, uh, you mean with his Sikh uh, servants, and then he has, and a, he has bandage a bandage on his, on his head, head, yeah, to look very similar to theirs, right? Yeah, yeah, very, um, very tasteless, not, yeah. not good, is what I would deem that. Yeah, I also really enjoy like the quaintness of like, especially nowadays with so much security, to just like walk up to a plane where people are boarding like on the actual tarmac and be like, hey, what are you doing out here? Yeah. Oh <laughs> shoot. <it's- laughs> Yeah, hold on. I'm just going to walk up to this plane real quick where they're going to a completely different country. I'm just going to go say hi to these people as they're entering. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> Pardon me. Our pre-9-11 world. What a time. What a time. Yeah. yeah, so he finds out why you got that bandage on your head. Well, because uh, that uh, Joe knocked me out cold. And I think that's where uh, he
1: Dick realizes, now's my chance. I got to leave. I just like how he starts off apologizing. He's like, hey, I'm sorry, you know. I'm sorry I threw something at you. That's not. That's not. I shouldn't have done that. Really? Well, she hit me over the head. Ha! Loser! <laughs> and he just leaves like.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: He turned the tables real quick. He's like, oh, never mind. Oh God. So Dick rushes back
0: to the fashion show and trying to find Joe desperately. Eventually, asks Maggie, "Where did Joe go?" And she says, "Well, put yourself in her shoes. Where would she be?" And then uh, he does go to that. Lovely church, the lovely backdrop of that sort of angelic fairy tale dance scene from earlier in the movie. And once again, it's daytime
1: again? It's, and
0: suddenly it's daytime, and they tried desperately to put a dark filter over it, and I think they just gave up the second go around. I bet they had
1: one day to film That's at That's exactly location. what it is. This was the only day they could film there. They filmed both those scenes on the same day. <laughs> and they they had they, they were like this is all we can do <laughs> yeah so we need to make it work make it work baby yep I, I guarantee you that's exactly
0: what happens so he does go there and that is where she finds uh, they find each other i should say that's where everything comes to a head and of course the two meet up yes we're in love and they sing the classic gershwin standards wonderful as They dance off into the sunset and get on that little Tom Sawyer Island raft
1: down the river. That precarious, precarious
0: raft. Very precarious raft. How lucky they are that both times it was sitting right there and uh, was able to just go downstream so perfectly. The ducks and swans uh, wave them off goodbye as the film ends. After this, Fred Astaire, I think, only does maybe two or three more musicals for his whole life. He sort of just guest stars on a lot of things. I believe he's also in the Towering Inferno uh, later on in his oh, wow. career, uh, and we already mentioned he's in Battlestar Galactica at one point uh, near the end of his career. But yeah, this this in Silk Stockings really sort of marks the end of this era of Fred Astaire and of his very traditional musical career, and that also marks the end of our celebration of uh, Fred Astaire for the last uh, four episodes. And uh, again, as a Gene Kelly kid growing up, someone who only almost exclusively watched Gene Kelly, I'm really glad we watched all these because I really did gain a much, much deeper appreciation uh, for what Fred Astaire had to offer versus what Gene Kelly brings. Two very, very different but equally remarkable skill sets as dancers. This is our final movie, uh, the Fred Astaire month that we have been doing.
1: Although, it's probably not the last Fred Astaire oh, no, movie no, 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 we'll no, no. do.
0: No, we're going to do lots more Fred Astaire. Uh, like I said, we didn't even touch his partnership with Ginger Rogers, his most prolific dance partnership. So, we will get into that uh, in the many months ahead. But, I think it would be fitting to, uh, you had some Fred Astaire trivia that we yes, could get into. Yes, I found,
1: I found this online. Uh, so, is it accurate? I'm going to assume yes. And uh, <laughs> I, got te- I, I got 10 questions. Okay. For you, Cody, some of them are easier than others. Some of them have been answered right on this podcast. Well, he skateboarded, so I got that one already. Exactly. Okay, there we go. All right. Number one, and this is multiple choice. Okay, fine. Who was Fred Astaire's first show business partner? A, his brother, B, his father, C, his mother, or D, his sister? That would,
0: of course, be Adele Astaire, his sister. There you go. Okay. Okay. I feel like this is like a
1: final exam
0: right here. Yes,
1: exactly. Fred Astaire wore his trademark top hat and tails in his very first movie appearance. What was that movie? A, top hat. B, the gay divorcee. C, flying down to Reno. And D, dancing lady.
0: I want to say it's uh, the gay divorcee. All right.
1: Let's see. Or is it top hat?
0: It's one of those two.
1: I will let you know at the end. It's one of those where you have to check the answers at the end. Son of a. Okay. Fan. Okay. Yep. In one of his best known solos, Fred Astaire is dancing on the walls and ceilings of this of his room because he has fallen in love with a beautiful woman who loves to dance. What was this movie? Just go ahead and answer this. Yeah, code that eight. would of
0: course uh, be. Uh, wait a minute.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not the. Uh, oh my god, we literally just talked about. <laughs> Do you need the multiple yeah, give choice? Me the multiple code? choice. Give me the multiple choice. Funny Face. Let's dance.
0: Royal Wedding, Yolanda. Royal Wedding, Royal Wedding, Royal Wedding, Royal Wedding. I'm sorry. I feel, I feel. Fred Astaire
1: was a versatile musician. Which of the following musical instruments did he not play? Oh, okay. Accordion, piano, violin, or drums? I'm going to say violin. Okay. Which of the following movies did Fred Astaire not star with Ginger Rogers? The Barclays of Broadway, Flying Down to Rio, The Gay Divorcee, Or Blue Skies? I'm going to say the Barclays of Broadway. Okay. I'm probably wrong. In which musical did Fred Astaire passionately kiss Ginger Rogers at the conclusion of a slow motion dance? Hint, the song used was I Used to Be Colorblind. That doesn't help. (laughs) Carefree, Let's Dance, Shall We Dance, or Swing Time?
0: Uh, Let's uh, go with Shall We Dance.
1: Okay. I'm
0: sorry, everyone who knows the answer.
1: Who was Fred Astaire's primary dance partner partner in Easter Parade? Eleanor Powell, Rita Hayworth, Judy Garland, or Paula Garland? Judy,
0: Judy, 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 Judy.
1: To what character did Fred Fred Astaire provide the voice in the 1970 animated film Santa Claus is Coming to Town? A, Santa Claus, B, the mailman, C, Burgermeister Meisterburger. or D, Winter Warlock? That would, of course, be the mailman who looks a lot like him. There you go. Which of the following non-musical movies did Fred Astaire not star? The Right Stuff, Ghost Story, The Towering Inferno, The Amazing Dobermans? Oh, uh, that would be the Right Stuff. Okay. And which famous dancer said Fred Astaire said of Fred Astaire, the history of dance on film begins with a stare. Of course it's Gene Is- Kelly. Okay. Alright. Let's see, check your answers. Cody, you had gotten. He wore his top hat and tails in his first movie appearance. The correct answer was Dancing Lady, not the Gay Divorce. Ah, diversity. okay. Uh, he did not star with Ginger Rogers in Blue Skies. All right, all right. Not Barclays of Broadway. All right. Uh, he kissed her at the end of Shall We? Da- of uh, Carefree, not Shall We Dance? Excuse me, you're wrong Shit, on that. I'm one. already out of And the rest, you were all correct. Oh, okay. I got a C. I'm okay with that. Seven out of ten. Yeah. All right. I will say this: the average score was 56%. Well, so you did above average in the Fred Astaire category. I
0: would okay. hope so after an entire month, really a month plus of focusing solely on Fred Astaire that we would at I'll least get a seven. Uh,
1: although if we were going by Fred Astaire standards, nothing less than perfect would do. So Cody, oh, yeah. you are a failure. All right, well,
0: <laughs> fair yes. enough. That's. I'll take that as a... We yes. bid farewell to Fred Astaire next month. There's a holiday coming up in the next month. I feel like you kind of can put two and two together. So we,
1: so we got some movies maybe leading up to that holiday,
0: right? Right, and that holiday, of course, uh, would be uh, Arbor Day. So yes, uh, that is the holiday we are—the solstice, actually, the summer solstice. So uh, get prepared for your favorite summer solstice musicals.
1: I'll have the greatest dress in the Arbor Day parade. <laughs>
0: Of course, uh, some are Solstice musicals. I'm, of course, speaking of it. Maybe some are the musicals. Yes, yes, exactly. That's uh, going to be a doozy. So until then, make sure to like us on Facebook. Make sure to follow us at Movie Musical Pod, both on Facebook, over on Twitter. Go to our website, Movie you can follow me on Twitter, at Cody Pasby.
1: You can follow me at the Ponte. I am also at PaulPonte.com, where you can find all my other podcasts, such as Indie Handshake, my wrestling podcast. And you can have links to all my photography and music and bobbity-bobbity-boo.
0: There you go, bibbity-bobbity-boo.
1: All that, uh, that bazazz, you know?
0: All of that bazzaz. All that bazzaz and empathicalism that you desire, you can find it all right there. Until next time, I'm Cody Pasby. I'm Paul Ponte. We will see you down the yellow brick road.